A lot of times I feel like, oh, our vlogs are boring. Our life is boring. We're just showing our lives. But you literally never know who you can affect and you never know what they're going to get from watching your life unfold. So it's just a blessing to be in that position. And it's a great reminder when it gets hard for us or we get over it or we feel like we're not making a difference or is this really worth it? All of those positive things come back to mind. Like, yeah, this is exactly where we need to be. Welcome to the Uncovered Legacy Podcast, where storytelling is not just left at the kitchen table. Many of us walk through life leaving a silent legacy, but I am here to change that by keeping our stories alive. Each tale will allow us to learn, discover, listen, and remember. I am your host, Curtis Burke, just a saltwater Geechee kid from the Low Country who believes our stories deserve to be heard. Thank you for listening to Uncovered Legacy. This particular episode, I have the privilege of interviewing a good friend of mine named Gabrielle Flowers Raider. Gabrielle is a graduate like myself of Tennessee State University, and we actually both moved to Los Angeles and were roommates for a little while while we're pursuing our entertainment careers. Currently, Gabrielle is a wife and a mother of two and has a huge social media followed on YouTube called Gay Babe TV and all other social media platforms. Well, I'm excited for you to hear this episode. And remember, your part of history deserves to be heard. Indianapolis is home to Gabrielle and no different to her living in the Midwest because this is all she knew. As a child, they moved outside of the city and she attended a predominantly white high school, a high school with over 1,000 students in her senior class. I grew up with my mom. She raised me as a single mom. It was just me and her until my one of my younger sisters were born and we're 13 years apart. So I kind of grew up as an only child until my sister came, you know, and I do have siblings on my father's side. But we didn't live together. So I grew up as an only child, you know, raised by my mom, a lot of heavy, you know, influence from my grandparents because they were also around. So they kind of helped out where they could. Yeah, like growing up here, it was it was great. Like I, you know, had a relationship with my dad and saw him whatever the arrangement was, whether it was every other weekend or something like that. But yeah, it was good. I grew up in township schools, which is public school, majority white. There were black people, but we kind of all like knew each other. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that was pretty much my experience from K through 12. After high school, you could not tell Gabrielle that she was not going to be yelling Aggie pride at North Carolina A&T. But the land of golden sunshine at the Tennessee State University in Nashville, Tennessee, was closer to home and provided more funds. After arriving at TSU, it was a true culture shock, being at a historical black university. This was something she had never been exposed to, from having African-American teachers and being around so many students that looked like her and that were striving for the same thing higher level education. I 
had went on a college tour. It was either my junior or my senior year. I can't remember, but I went on a, a HBCU college tour and toured probably like six. I don't really remember any of them except North Carolina A&T, because as soon as I stepped foot on that campus, I was like, oh, this is it. I am going here. I'm going to be an Aggie. Like, this is the place I am meant to be. And it was the only place that I thought of. And it was like, I'm either going to apply there. That's the one place I'm going to apply out of state. And then I'm going to apply to Ball State, which was, you know, it's local colleges in Muncie, Indiana. My mom went there and I was like, if I stay in Indiana, I'll go there. And then, um, Senior year, a representative from TSU happened to be, you know, they had like a career day or college day or something. And there was like a somebody sitting there from TSU. So I just stopped and I was like, oh, you know, I never thought about TSU, but it's like, oh, Nashville is close but not super close. Like it was a good enough distance for me. It was a little closer than North Carolina. So I was like, well, maybe I'll apply there. You never know. So Applied to all three, got in all three. And what happened was TSU offered me the most money. So that is where I ended up. And I actually knew quite a few people from Indiana going to TSU. I didn't know anybody going to North Carolina A&T. So it was kind of like, well, I'm getting more money and I won't completely be by myself. But I wanted to be Aggie. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to be an Aggie. <laughs> well, the golden state of sunshine called you to the correct Indeed. place. And I'm so glad it did. So your major was not even communications or theater when you got there? No, when I got there, my major was accounting because, you know, I just, I like numbers. I was good at math and I was just like, oh, this I'll be able to get a decent job, good salary. I'm gonna just stick to accounting because I, I probably need a business degree. And then, honey, I got in them classes <laughs> and was like, oh, this is not it for me. <laughs> This is not my life, okay? And I already had the creative side. I had been in show choir in high school. I was in showstoppers at TSU. So I was doing the more artists, like, you know, artistic thing. But I was just like, I need a business degree. I have to have a business degree. And then I was like, but this is not what I'm going to want to do. So I went and talked to my guidance counselor. We talked about it. And I switched over my major to communications and theater. And then I took business as like a minor. I was like, well, I'll just minor in it. So I'll have some business classes. The Thomas Edward Pogue Player Skill, also known as T.E. Pogue, is a theatrical organization that we both joined. And this is where we first met. Gabrielle was already a part of Showstoppers and saw an audition flyer for the Thomas Edward Paul Players Guild and said, why not? I auditioned on the very, like I went in at the very last moment to audition because I kept going back and forth like, is this something I'm interested in? Like, but I saw the flyer, it intrigued me. I was like, okay, I'm, I've switched my major over. So this is a good way for me to get into the theater program and, you know, kind of get to know people who are interested in the same things as I am. So I just went for it and the rest is history. I mean, for me... I literally feel like I was in the cafeteria and I didn't even know Sparkle. And she just said, you need to come audition for this. And I was like, what is your name again, ma'am? <laughs> so that's how I got involved. So shout out to T.E. Pole, T.E. <laughs> After college, Gabrielle knew she wanted to pursue acting and move to the Big Apple, New York City. However, after having a conversation with a college friend named Sparkle, she was convinced 
to move to Los Angeles instead. Having a support system with like-minded college friends sealed the deal. While working at the Hustler Casino, dropping off headshots at major studios, she thought she had it down pat. The secret weapon. But after working two or three jobs at a time, no auditions, it started catching up to her. And she was tired mentally and physically. Something needed to change. Listen, I feel like, okay, so, so the one thing I feel like I did get good while I was there is making sure we had good headshots. We were on it with our <laughs> headshots. like we, But I remember our first ones, we tried to take ourselves. It was a mess. But <laughs> eventually we got good headshots. And then I had somebody that I worked with on a play or something had introduced me to a group of people and we were going to act as our or as each other's agents. So we created this group. Somebody got the sides from somewhere. It was like a kind of like an illegal operation, but we was like, you know, what? we're going to drop everybody's headshots off as, as we're the agency. And it didn't go very far, but we really thought we was headed somewhere doing that. And I did that, but I also worked. Like, I feel like the majority of my time in LA was spent surviving. Right. I worked two jobs if I had to. Like, I would never forget my first job was at a call center. And it was to try and get actors to sign up and get headshots. And it was the word I probably lasted for like a week because I wouldn't make no money unless I signed people. And I was like, okay, I can't do this. So then I went to serve because I had been serving before. So I got a job serving. I worked at the Hustler Casino. That was an experience all in itself. I think I got mm -hmm. you hired on. Yes, like yes. I just remember doing the night shift and doing jackpot donuts. And I would go around and say, jackpot donuts, jackpot donuts. And that's like I turned on the to fall as well. Oh man, I love me some fall now because <laughs> yeah. of that. But it was it was cool. It was fun. But I feel like when I look back at that time, I just wish that I would have had a better plan. I think I went and I got frustrated because I didn't see any traction and I was annoyed because I felt like, you know, all my peers were, you know, they were graduated from college and they had these jobs and these 401ks and health insurance. And I didn't have any of that. And it was like, okay, I am wasting my time here. And I just, I gave up a little bit too early, I believe, but you know. I mean, they say that it takes 10 years, which I didn't know. And I'm sure you didn't know. Had no idea. I would have at least given it half, at least. Right. I mean, I was the same way. I thought after two years, my face was going to be on a billboard. I was like, two years. Oh, I just great. knew it. I was like, oh, I'm going to pop off. It's going down. <laughs> it's like, man, you don't even have an agent. What are you doing? But we all did the drop off headshots thing, too. I mean, I we thought did. that was it. Like, excuse me, security. Yeah. This is what you need. <laughs> you need this, <laughs> this headshot. Need, okay. <laughs> so after living in Los Angeles for three years and you did have some breakthroughs, I remember going to one of a play that you did. It was a great play. How hard was it for you to leave, though? What was the deciding factor? So I think I had gotten to a point where I was just frustrated. All I felt like I was doing was working. And I was tired of having roommates because I felt like, okay, I am in my, my 20s. Like, I want to live by myself. I don't want to have roommates. I don't want to have to be working so hard just to pay rent. I can do this at home where it's much cheaper, much cheaper. And so that was one of the factors. My mom had kind of needed some help at home with finances. So we had kind of talked about me coming back and helping her for a little bit. And then I was 
starting a relationship with an ex of mine. And in my mind, I was like, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to move back home. I'm going to get married and have kids and, you know, just have that part of, you know, life that I wanted as well. So it was kind of all of that happened at the same time. And I just literally just made the decision very quickly. I think I made the decision was gone and within like two weeks. It didn't take long. Like I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm over it. Moving back home to Indianapolis, she quickly realized this would not be an easy road either. After working in corporate America, graduate school, and still being a restaurant server at night, she was still feeling unfilled. It was like I moved home and it wasn't much better. Like I, I lived with my mom, I helped her out. I lived with her for like a year before I got my own place. I was working at a job that I didn't like, and then I decided, well, if I'm here and I had a pretty good job and they had like tuition reimbursement. So I was like, well, I might as well get my master's degree while I'm here. So I started going to school to get my MBA with an accounting specialty. Cause I was like, you know what? I tried the creative thing. Let me go back to something that's gonna make me some money. Corporate America. <laughs> yeah, I started grad school and I went, it was like an adult program. So I went to evening classes and I worked two jobs while I did that. Yeah, it was basically the same grind, just in a mm -hmm. different location. I think for a while I was okay with it. And, you know, I really thought I was going somewhere in my relationship. And then that kind of started to fizzle. And then I realized how much I didn't really like my job. And, and even after and graduating from graduate school, realized that I still didn't like accounting. Like, what have I done? It was just, I felt kind of stuck. And I needed some type of an, an outlet, something to kind of showcase my personality and literally bought a MacBook Pro one day, flipped it up at my grandmother's house and decided to make my first YouTube video. And at the time I was going through my natural hair journey, I had just decided to stop getting relaxers and I was going to grow my hair out. So I was watching all these people talk about their, you know, transition from natural hair or to natural hair and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I could probably make videos doing this. She started watching YouTube videos and decided to give it a try, showing her hair journey was just a creative outlet, building an audience by just talking and being herself. And before you knew it, she had over 1,000 followers and was happy with that, not even realizing she was uncovering her legacy by accident. I was just talking about what was happening in my life, talking about the people that I was dating, talking about work and, you know, just all the crazy diets I was trying. Literally, I was just talking. It was unfiltered. It was raw. I was just me, you know, and I realized that people were interested in watching and listening to just me. So I was like, this is kind of cool. Like, this is something fun to do, something that I can look forward to doing, even though, you know, I'm in this job that I'm not extremely happy with. This gave me something to kind of look forward to. Gabrielle was still making YouTube videos just as a hobby, being happy with 1,000 followers. Once she got married and moved to the smallest town in the world in Tennessee, she and her husband started showing their lives anywhere from going to the mall, driving around town, or simply sitting on the couch having family discussions. They both were still working their full-time jobs, enjoying sharing their lives, but slowly and surely, the numbers of followers started to grow. And in the middle of this, her husband lost his job. As they continued to open up their lives, the followers went from 
1,000 to 100,000 subscribers, and now over 500,000 subscribers just on YouTube. And that was the beginning of Gay Babe TV platform. Probably never heard of Savannah, Tennessee. Uh, you, nobody has ever heard of it. It's literally in between like Nashville and Memphis, kind of. But it's on the border of like Alabama and Mississippi. It's weird. So, yeah, he was working overseas when we met as a contractor. And he eventually got hired from by the company. He got promoted and the company was based in Savannah, Tennessee. So once we had gotten engaged and got married, he had the better job. So I quit my job that I didn't care for anyway and just moved to Savannah, Tennessee. So in this whole time I was YouTubing, I probably, you know, I had a nice little following. It wasn't like massive or anything. It was probably like 1,500 people, a thousand to 1,500 people. And he did like a couple videos with me. So people were familiar with him and they, they kind of like, they really liked our dynamic together. So once we got married, I started watching people vlog on YouTube. This was like the beginning of blogging where people were really just taking the camera around sharing their lives doing whatever and I went to him and I was like we should try this there was this thing back in the day called blogtober you vlog every day in October and I was like we may not be able to do every day but let's try it let's let's blog our lives for newlyweds people might want to see what what's going on and they absolutely wanted to see what was going on we probably did like five or six videos all of October. And then we were like, okay, we'll come back maybe around the holidays. It's been real. And people were like, no, keep going. We love you guys. So we were, <laughs> we was kind of like, okay, this is weird. People, people like it. You know what I'm saying? Cause we wouldn't, we were in the smallest town. There was nothing there. We'd have to drive 45 minutes to get to a Target or a Starbucks or a mall. So on the weekends we would go to another city to kind of have fun. So we would just blog our adventures because he was working full time. And then I got hired at his job as well. And it grew from there. We had no idea what was getting ready to happen. So how was the transition from Chad leaving his job and you guys becoming this powerhouse? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it honestly, it, it was all, it, when I look back on it, literally God just orchestrated the whole thing. So like we, you know, we're vlogging, we're doing YouTube, I'm working, we have Chad Jr. in 2013. And I'm like, you know what, we're making, you're, well, he already had a good job. He was like the director, so he was making a great job. I didn't really have to work, but I was like, I'm making enough from YouTube that I don't really want to go back to work. So I didn't go back to work. And he worked as the director into the company shut down. He actually saw it coming and started looking for jobs in Indianapolis to get us back home because I was tired of living in Savannah. I was like, we need to be looking to get back to the house. because <laughs> this so He gets hired at a job here in Indianapolis. We move and like two weeks later, the company shuts down. Like what? completely shut down, out of business because money was just the contracts were not being renewed the money was drying up and chad saw all of this happening and he tried to warn the ceo the ceo wasn't listening so he was like we're just we're going to get up out of here and it literally the way it happened it was nothing but god nothing but god because people were like out of work they didn't get their last checks like it was devastating so we get back home we want we work you know he gets the job he didn't really care for it but it was like it gets us here and mm -hmm. we're still doing youtube at the same time so for a whole year he worked the job one year later almost exactly he gets laid off at that point 
YouTube had started to grow even more. So we were getting more like AdSense money. And I think brand partnerships were kind of just starting for us. So we were like, well, we kind of have this over here. You don't have to rush into a job you don't like. Just take your time trying to find something because we have this. And probably like a week or so later, we got hired to shoot a pilot for our family uh, for a TV show. It never saw the light of day, but we got paid for it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. Listen, okay. And the rest <laughs> is history. Like literally from there, opportunities are coming out of nowhere and then we got a contract with walmart and t-mobile which turned into like nine commercials with them and just brand partnerships just it just skyrocketed so now it's a corporation like you guys made it an llc right yes it is an llc it's an s corp we actually own the business and we are employees of our business we pay ourselves yes mm -hmm. gabrielle's children were literally born in front of the camera and to them Gay Babe TV is just family fun, while they are constantly looking for new ways to help their parents make this a real business to hopefully one day get their subscribers up. At least they think. It's funny now that Chad Jr. is getting older. Some days, you know, he may not be interested in being on camera or like, you know, and we're very respectful mm -hmm. of how they're feeling if they're not feeling it because they didn't, although they were born into it, they didn't ask for it. So, you know, we try to make sure we are very respectful of, you know, how they're feeling if they want to participate. It's not something that we make them do, you know, um, and I think it's been good that, you know, they kind of, they want to, like they pick up the camera, they vlog, they like, it's, it's natural for them. So, and now it's funny because all of Chad's friends know, like his friends' parents know, people <laughs> in the neighborhood know. It's just like, I try to keep it like this. Oh, this is our thing, but like they found our channel and they it, it's just the funniest thing. And Reagan, she she's getting it now. She the other day she asked, she was like, We gotta get to we gotta get to a thousand <laughs> or we gotta get to a hundred thousand subscribers so we can get a, a silver play button. And we were like, sweetheart, we have two of those. And she was like, <laughs> she had no idea, you know, because she don't know what the subscriber numbers are, but she right. watches YouTubers like all these kids. Stuff. So she's like, oh, we got to get that. We got to get that. So I just brought her into the office and showed her the play buttons. And she was she was so impressed. So she's thinking she's putting you on game, letting you know something. Oh, my girl. Like, no, no, ma'am. <laughs> and I said this before, but like, so now you have over, you know, half a million subscribers. You have Instagram. YouTube, just all type of different dynamics. What kind of responsibility do you feel that you have with YouTube? Because now you you're an influencer. Yeah, an influencer. And I fought that term for so I hated that word forever. Now I embrace it because it is what it is. I think I didn't like it before because nobody respected it. Nobody really understood it. And I think now people see it differently. Um, so I used to shy away from calling myself an influencer because I feel like the judgment that came with that, like just saying, oh, you're little, how's your little YouTube? How's your little, and it's like, you have no idea. But, you know, so it, it, it does come with responsibility because 
we are, even though we are living our lives on camera, it is unscripted. We are not like putting on, we're not anything different when the camera goes off, but people are watching. So we have to be just cognizant of the things that we discuss and how we discuss them. And, you know, there are definitely conversations that we've had to have about how deep do we want to go into things? Or is this something that we even want to bring up on right. the channel because our overall mission is to spread love, life, and laughter. So we like to keep it on a positive note, not to say that there is no negative or, you know, that life isn't down sometimes, but we feel like our goal is to encourage and inspire others. They, we want people to see us and leave feeling encouraged, leave with a smile on your face or feeling like you can go out and you know tackle the next thing, not necessarily come and see us and get down and da da da. Yeah, we know life is not always happy. You can just turn on the news and get that. Like you can get that from your, you know, your feed on social media. So mm -hmm. We, we want to just kind of keep it positive in the things that we share. And even when we go through trials and we have gone through those things and shared them after the fact, we still kind of put it in a positive light. Like I, we want to come with the lesson or share the thing that we've learned from it. So, you know, there is a, there is a responsibility to just kind of think about how we are portraying ourselves. We're also Christian. And that's a big thing about, you know, our channel too, is that, you know, you can be a Christian family and still have fun and it doesn't have right. to be a fight. And this is what it can look like. So we, we do realize that we are an example for, multiple things as parents, as, you know, people who aspire to be in an interracial relationship, people who aspire to own a business, like so many different aspects of our lives, people look at and can use it for inspiration. Understanding that the impact on other people's lives and going down the family friendly path was important to keep their integrity. What viewers may not know is that just as much as she impacts your life, you're impacting hers even more getting letters from complete strangers saying she saved them from making horrible decisions by watching their channel she takes it very serious and understands this is a higher calling one of the best parts of youtube is the community we've been able to like create like we literally have family members we call them our peeps like all over the world and they reach out to us on all of our social medias they email us they sent us gifts when we've had our kids they'll mail things into our p.o box and we have gotten letters and emails of people who explained that they were at their worst or, you know, going through a trying time or they lost somebody in their life or they lost a job or, you know, they wanted to commit suicide and they came across us and left feeling better, left feeling like it wasn't so bad. So um, it's that always gives me choked up because you think a lot of times I feel like, oh, our vlogs are boring. Our life is boring. We're just showing our lives. But you literally never know who you can affect. And this is for anybody. Like you never know who's watching and you never know what they're going to get from watching your life unfold. So it's just a blessing to be in that position. And it's great. It's a great reminder when it gets hard for us or we get over it or we feel like we're not making a difference or is this really worth it? Or, you know, all of those positive things come back to mind. Like, yeah, this is exactly where we need to be.
it's like I can't even I can't even imagine what life would be like without the community that we have because they've they've literally been there for everything. They've prayed for us. They've encouraged us. Like it's we get so much from them as much as they get from us. You know, it is definitely a mutual relationship, and I love that. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I don't think that I. It's not something that I thought of. You know, it's it's very it's very easy to just look at the numbers and get caught up in the numbers. And it's like, oh yeah, we got you know thousands of views and thousands, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. But it's like when you stop and really think about that, like those are people. Like every single one of those metrics and those numbers, they represent people on the other end of that. And it just, it makes you take a step back. Like, wow, this is, this is major, you know, like these are people that really care. They are really invested. And I believe strongly that this is your legacy. You have mm-hmm. finally uncovered and you had to go through everything moving to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know, um, leaving Los Angeles to uncover your legacy. And I believe you're helping people through YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely like I went through a period in life where I questioned my purpose and was I in the right place and doing the right thing. And I definitely I have more peace in what what it is that I've been called to do now. And I think about, you know, my goals of being an actress and being famous or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like what would have been the benefit of that or who would I have not to say that I couldn't have helped or I couldn't have but I think that this was the way God wanted it to happen for me yeah this was the path that he wanted me to be on it just took a minute for me to get there (laughs) so looking back at little Gabrielle who is now a YouTube star and an influencer what would you say to that little girl back in Indianapolis? Oh, what would I say to her? Everything that you have accomplished, everything that you have had to go through, it's know where you are now, saving lives, uh, and people are saving your life too. That just makes me tear up because I would tell her that it gets better. Yeah. It gets better. People may not see your value now or may not feel like you're valuable now, but you have a purpose like keep going i grew up and was bullied and was teased and all of the things so i it was it was hard at times so to i would just tell her to keep going it's that your your time will come and now having a daughter of your own how does that compare <laughs> she is <laughs> every bit of me times 10 okay <laughs> and it's amazing to watch her though because she's so fearless you know our daughter reagan she has this personality that is out of this world and she doesn't apologize for it <laughs> and my goal is to refine that and hone it and just make sure she keeps it i just don't want her to lose her voice because i feel like as kids adolescent, we grow up and we we tend to lose our voice because we're told we're to this or we're not good enough or, you know, so my my job for both of my kids is to make sure that they they keep their voice, especially Reagan, because she is the most outspoken one. Yeah. So what is next for Gay Babe TV? Because I feel like you, you get this, but you're still 
you know, moving on to other things too? I know it's, it's a good question. Um, when we think about what is next, we think about not necessarily in terms of like accomplishments that we want to go after or, you know, when I think about what's next, I think about the life that I want to live. How do I want to feel in my life? And I think the biggest thing is learning how to live life outside of the camera. That is a big goal for us because for 12 years, we've taken people along our whole marriage, our whole journey. And I think as we, you know, we get older, our kids get older, you know, we're constantly thinking of ways to take this success and maybe put it in something that doesn't necessarily require our face or, you know, like how can we invest more? How can we set up a little bit more passive income or get into maybe real estate or something else that doesn't require us to show up because, Mm -hmm. you know, Getting a little older, like I can't be living in front of the camera for the rest of forever. So at some point, we gotta, you know, step back from it. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. T.E. Poke. (laughs) It gets better. It gets better. You will come into your own. To the little girl with the jerry curl and the gap now understands that your journey is yours. Sometimes we think we know what God's plans are for us, and it must be Hollywood because that's what we want in life. So we think. However, looking back and realizing that you will still get everything you ask for and more if you just follow his voice, Hollywood will come to you by just you being yourself. How Gabrielle uncovered her legacy did not come with instructions, but she stayed on the path less traveled, even when she did not understand. Now knowing it does get better, she has made her mark and her family legacy continues to impact millions in ways she cannot even imagine. Thank you for listening to Uncovered Legacy.